Hi, this is Nathan. Before we get to the episode, I want to invite you to join me on an incredible adventure this November of 2024. I am taking a small group of believers to Turkey, what the New Testament called Asia Minor, for a 12-day Bible study tour of the early church. We'll be studying the book of Acts and many of the epistles on location as we visit ancient cities like Ephesus, Laodicea, Heropolis, Antioch, Pergamum, and many more. If you are interested in joining me this November for a once-in-a-lifetime adventure as we study where much of the New Testament and early church took place, you can learn more by going to deeperchristian.com forward slash turkey. And if you're interested, don't delay. Spots are limited and on a first-come, first-served basis, and a $100 discount is available if you register before May 27th. I do hope you can join me. And again, more information is available at deeperchristian.com forward slash turkey. Now, here's the episode. Welcome to episode 267 of the Deeper Christian Podcast. This is the podcast to help you study God's word, know Jesus intimately, and discover how you can build your life around Jesus Christ. I'm Nathan Johnson, and in today's episode, I want to talk about one of my favorite Christophanies from the life of Moses. Let's dive in. Over the last couple of weeks, I've been connecting my deeper Christian episodes with the series, The Storyline of Scripture, that I've been walking through in Daily Thunder. And in Daily Thunder, I've been talking about the big segments of scripture and how everything in scripture points to the reality of Jesus Christ. And then I've been taking that section of the biblical history and talking on this podcast about one of my favorite Christophanies or ways that we see Jesus in that part of the Bible. Well, this week in the storyline of scripture, we were talking about Moses bringing the children of Israel out of Egypt and bringing them into the promised land. Now, there are so many great pictures of Jesus Christ within this section, but in this episode, I want to talk about two of them that I just that just stir me. I love these two. Now, if you are a frequent listener to the Deeper Christian Podcast, I know you've heard one of these, and it's because I tend to bring it up quite often. It is such a profound picture to me of the reality of Jesus Christ and the gospel seen in the Old Testament, and it comes from Exodus chapter 15. And so let me just read the passage. Moses has just brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. And it says this in Exodus 15, starting in verse 22. Then Moses had Israel set out from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And they came to Marah, but they could not drink the waters of Marah because they were bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah. So the people grumbled at Moses saying, what shall we drink? Then Moses cried out to Yahweh and Yahweh showed him a tree and Moses threw it into the waters and the waters became sweet. And then jumping down to the end of verse 26, God says, for I am Yahweh, I am your healer. It's an incredible passage. Again, there's this idea, we mentioned this in the last episode, but there's this interesting idea of going three days into the wilderness. I don't think it's an accident that scripture mentions that they have journeyed for three days. So just as Abraham traveled three days to the mountain of the Lord, 
So here is Moses and the Israelites traveling three days into the wilderness. And you recognize that if you've traveled three days into a desert, that you are at the point of no return. And in other words, you're, you've gone too far into a desert to turn backwards and go the other way. In other words, they are dying of thirst. And if the Lord doesn't provide water soon, they will die in the wilderness. Now there is excitement. There is some water available. There is this pool of water. And yet what we find is that as they come to the pool of water, that pool of water actually is polluted. It's twisted. It's not as it should be. And they call it Mara, Mara meaning bitter. And I've always thought how poor that the first guy who (laughs) saw the water got so excited, ran to this pool, dipped his hand in, put it to his mouth, and then probably spits it all out because it's bitter. And so the people grumble against Moses, which we find out throughout the whole wilderness wanderings is rather common. And so Moses goes to God and says, God, what are we going to do? We are dying of thirst. What is your plan with your people? And listen to what verse 25 says. It says that God showed Moses a tree and he threw it into the waters and the waters became sweet. I love this picture. All of us, as I've often talked on this podcast, all of us have a body of water in our souls, but they're twisted. They're polluted. They're not as it should be. We we all have this bitterness called sin within us. And like the people of Israel, or if I may use the illustration from the book of Acts after Peter preached at Pentecost, the people says, well, what shall we do to be saved? What what are we going to do to handle the bitter waters, this sinful nature within our souls? How how are we going to get out of this corruption, this twistedness, this perversion that has marked our lives? And the solution that God gave Moses is so profound Because it's the same solution that we need. God showed Moses a tree. Isn't that interesting? God says, Moses, you see that tree? Now, by the way, in the area that they were wandering, there would have been very few trees. It is a deep desert. It's basically dust and rock. And yet God shows Moses a tree. And when Moses takes a tree and throws that tree into the midst of the bitter waters, The bitter waters weren't just made clean, they were made sweet. And that same reality is true in our lives, that here is our polluted waters called sin, this fleshly carnal nature. Well, what is our solution? Well, our solution is a tree. It's called the cross or Calvary. And what Jesus did upon that cross is the means by which this bitter water of our lives isn't just going to be made clean, it's going to be made sweet. And I love that reality, even in the Old Testament. So here in the life of Moses, you have this grand picture of the gospel and the need of a tree in your life. Again, it's a foreshadow of the coming reality of Jesus Christ and his work upon the cross. Let me give you one other of my favorite Christophanies or glimpses of Jesus from the life of Moses. The book of Numbers is not one of those books that we typically run to. (laughs) I think just the fact that it's called Numbers makes some of us a little squeamish. We're like, ah, not interested in reading a book all about numbers. Now, in reality, it just has a few of the records of them counting the people of Israel, which is why we, the Greek uh, understanding of this title, was the name Numbers. Now, 
In Hebrew, the idea was the wilderness wanderings. The book of Numbers really is just the stories of them wandering in the wilderness. It begins with this idea of Moses sending out the spies, them rejecting, all the people rejecting God's word, not trusting him or walking in faith, and therefore they reject God's word of entering into the promised land. And God says, okay, well, I'm going to cause you to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. And what you find is that here they are, they've been wandering for a while. And in Numbers 22, you have this rather odd scene where the king of Moab, Balak, hires this prophet named Balaam to go and curse Israel. Most of the time in our Sunday schools, we know the story of Balaam because of the fact that it's the whole talking donkey scene. And Balak comes and he bribes Balaam saying, hey, I will give you a lot of wealth if you will just come and you will curse my enemies for me. And so Balaam shows up to Balak and Balak says, all right, see those people over there? I want you to curse them. And Balaam says, great, I'll go and and pray and I will ask God for a curse. And then I will come out and I will give you that curse because I want your money. This is the uh, Nathan Johnson version. (laughs) This is the abbreviated uh, summary of the story. And so Balaam goes and prays. He comes back and goes, hey, I've I've got a great curse. And he opens up his mouth and out comes a blessing. And Balak looks at Balaam and says, I, I'm not paying you to bless my enemies. I want you to curse them. And of course, Balaam goes, oh, I'm so, so sorry. You know, I, I can only say that which the Lord puts in my mouth. Let me go pray. Let me go get another curse. And, you know, he goes and he prays. And he goes, oh, I've got a great curse for you. Comes out and he just, he opens his mouth and out comes a blessing. And it's interesting in the story, Balak takes Balaam up on this high ridge and they're looking down upon Israel. Now, one of the things that we don't typically do is we don't, well, let me rephrase that. When I read a lot of the stories in the book of Numbers, when it's saying that the tribe of Judah had this many people and the tribe of Issachar had this many people, I rather not a long ago, okay, that's wonderful. Let's, let's get to the more story part. And I kind of skim the numbers. But what is so profound is that as you calculate the numbers of the people in each of the 12 tribes of Israel, and you look at what God is doing in the wilderness wanderings, again, you see this beautiful reality of the cross. And it's going to be really hard to explain this on a podcast. And so in the show notes, I I have a picture of this, if you want to be able to have the visual of what I'm saying here. But when the Israelites were wandering, the tabernacle was right in the middle of the camp, surrounding them were the Levites, And then you had the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, three of the tribes camped to the north, three of the camps camped to the east, three to the south, and three to the west. And each of the 12 tribes had their own banner or a standard. It was a, you know, like a flag that they would carry. And of course, each of them had a symbol or a picture upon it. And so as they gathered around the tabernacle, again, this is just more of a side note. I just find it beautiful to think that when you look at the three tribes on each of the four sides, they all rallied under the main banner of that tribe. For example, on the east side of the tabernacle, you had three tribes. You had Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun, but they all rallied under Judah's banner, which was the lion. And when you look at what was surrounding the tabernacle, you had the banners of a lion, an ox, an eagle, and a man. And if you know your Bible well, you'd recognize that those are the four faces of the cherubim. In other words, the heavenly beings that surround the throne of God, they're the cherubim, right? They, they have four wings, they have the hands like a man, feet like a calf, and they have four faces, right? The face of a lion, a face of an eagle, a face of a man, and a face of an ox. 
And so I don't, again, it's not accidental that surrounding the tabernacle, the presence of God, you have an earthly picture of a heavenly reality. Well, again, as you calculate the numbers of how many people were in each of the tribes and you plot it out, what is amazing to me is that here's Balak and he brings Balaam up onto this mountain and he's looking down at this encampment of Israel. And of course, it's been miles wide because of how many people were in Israel at the time. But as he's looking down upon Israel, Balak points down and says, I want you to curse that. I want you to curse them. And what's amazing is that when you plot out the numbers and you you place them where they would have been around the tabernacle, it forms a perfect cross. And again, maybe we're reading into this to say, well, you know, that just happens to be a wonderful coincidence that God just happened to put in there. See, everything in scripture is purposeful. And so again, I know that Balaam wasn't able to curse, but do you realize that Jesus takes that whole idea of the cross being the curse? We know that in the Old Testament idea that it was cursed is the one that hangs upon a tree because they're being suspended between the skies and the earth and that there is a curse upon the tree. And so here is Balak, the enemy of God, pointing down to a the people of Israel in the form of a cross saying, Balaam, I want you to curse that. And yet, isn't it amazing that the only thing Balaam could pronounce was a blessing now we know that Balaam was corrupt and, and he schemed and, and you know he manipulated, but I love this idea that he was only able to bless the very thing that they knew was cursed. And even though crucifixion wasn't invented for another millennium, do you realize the profundity of the reality that everything in scripture is a big finger pointing us to the grand reality of Jesus and his redemptive work? upon the cross. Again, if you want to see a picture of the 12 tribes laid out, there's a picture of that in the show notes. All that to say is this. I love the fact that God is purposeful, that God has an eternal plan, which is fulfilled in Christ Jesus, as Paul writes in the book of Ephesians, that God is leveraging everything that he's doing in the Old Testament. As I mentioned in the Daily Thunder series, in this time period, it's this, this, idea of the kingdom being rehearsed, that God was using the laws and the feasts and the tabernacle and the daily activities to be a reminder, an anticipation of the coming King, Jesus. And if you haven't listened to the Daily Thunder series, I would highly encourage you to do that. I'll also leave a link for that in the show notes. But that being said, would you freshly go after Jesus Christ today? Would you remember that he is our healer? That just as he healed the bitter waters in the time of Moses, he is still Jehovah Rapha. He is still the God that delights to heal. That you have these areas or pockets of bitter water that he wants to change and transform and sanctify out of our lives. Maybe it's an attitude or a thought process, or maybe it's a habit or, or something that we just maybe not even realize is wrong. But would we allow the Holy Spirit to put his finger on anything and everything in our life that doesn't measure up? to his perfect standard, and would would we allow Jehovah Rapha, the king of kings, who is the healer, come and not just make the areas of our life clean, not just untwist the perversion, but allow him to so redemptively forgive and cleanse that our lives become sweet.
That is his heart and his desire for us. Again, everything in scripture points to Jesus and the reality of the cross. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Deeper Christian Podcast. For show notes of this episode, including a picture of those 12 tribes, as well as a link to the Daily Thunder series that you can listen to for that series, please visit deeperchristian.com forward slash 267 for episode 267. And until next time, where we continue this mini series, walking through some of my favorite pictures of Jesus throughout the Old Testament, know I'm cheering you on and praying for you as you build your life around Jesus Christ.